The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of might. And I have the Spirit of might living on the inside. Therefore, I declare this morning that I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I am increasing in strength. As I wait upon the Lord, my strength increases. This day, I will go from one level of strength to another level. I'm going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and from strength to strength. I am strong. I am strong. I am strong in the Lord. And the joy of the Lord, it is my strength. Amen. Do you believe it? Well, all you strong ones, you may be seated. Amen. Glory to God. You know, it's good to confess God's word. Amen. The door to the supernatural swings on two hinges, believing and speaking. Amen. In 2 Chronicles, I want you to notice a verse with me. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 47, I want us to read this together as a text. Let's, let's read together. Ready? Read. Now therefore arise, O Lord God, in thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength, let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. A couple of things we want to look at here as we pray. Father, may the eyes of our hearts be flooded with light. May we be encouraged today through the word and by your precious spirit. Thank you for the wonderful, glorious, glorious opportunities to gather together. Thank you for these faithful ones that have come this morning in this early service to hear from you and to hearken to the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. Now notice this. He says, let thy priest. Now you may have not recognized this before, but did you know that the Bible calls you a priest? The scripture says that we are a royal priesthood. Of course, growing up, you know, I had a, a priest and I thought that a priest was just a select group of people that went to cemetery, I mean seminary, and, uh, and, uh, and you know, that they were the only ones that were supposed to read the word and, and kind of, you know, tell us what the word of God was saying. But then I got saved and I got born again and I discovered that the word of God was an open book to all that would read it. Amen. Amen. And I discovered this, that the scripture says that we are a kingdom of priests. We are kings and priests unto our God. Because we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's good news, isn't it? Glory to God. Now, you don't have to call me Father Thomas or anything like that. I won't call you Father Vargas. But it says, and let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation 
clothed with salvation, clothed with deliverance, clothed with wholeness. And let thy saints, here's another word and another thing that you are. You're not only a priest, but you're a saint. Amen. And some of us in days past have acted like ain'ts, but in Christ Jesus, we are saints. He says, be clothed with salvations and let thy saints do what? Let thy saints rejoice. Somebody says, well, I, I've lost my joy. Well, it's time for you to rejoice. Amen? But to rejoice in what? Let thy saints rejoice in goodness. Oh, hallelujah. And that's what I want to speak on to you today is the wonderful goodness of God. I have a great passion for this subject. I, I have seen the goodness of God move in the lives of the people in this church for decades and decades. I've seen God take a life that was shipwrecked and brought that person back on course and on the right path. And now today, they are a brand new creation. I've seen the goodness of God in your eyes. I've seen the goodness of God in this place. I marvel at His goodness. See, I didn't always know about the goodness of God. I thought God was a God that was going to get you for that. Amen? He's going to get you for that. That He's mad and He's uptight and His teeth are yellow and, you know, just... Just it was it was a bummer going to church. There wasn't any joy going to church. We just did it out of ritualism. We just did it because we were supposed to do it because mom and dad said to do it. There was no there was no joy in the church. The greatest joy we got when we, was when we were dismissed. Well, that's not true biblical Christianity. True biblical Christianity is joy unspeakable and full of the glory of God. So be clothed with salvation and let thy saints rejoice. Rejoice in what? Rejoice in His goodness. Let's just do some rejoicing right now. Glory to God. We rejoice in your goodness, Lord. We rejoice in your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you've done in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing right now. I rejoice in the goodness of my good, good God. Oh, hallelujah. I believe that you and I can come up to another, another level of faith in his goodness. Amen? Has God been good to you? Has he done something good for you? Amen. You need to think about that and journal that and write that down so that when the devil comes along and says, well, you ain't going to get your breakthrough this time, you just open up your journal and say, well, the Lord did this last year. The Lord did this 10 years ago. The Lord did this yesterday. What'd you say, devil? My good, good God has got a track record of being good in my life. And you best better shut up because I'm about to go into the zone of rejoicing. I'm rejoicing in the goodness of God. So I know for sure that I can come up to another level in this. How about you? Yeah. Expect His goodness.
The psalmist said that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's good and he's got good things prepared for you and for me. In the book of Ephesians, the second chapter in the 10th verse, it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he has prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, live in what kind of life? Live in the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Oh, what a planner we have. What a God we have. What a king we serve. Amen. Hallelujah. Good paths. I like what Jeremiah said in the NIV. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you. This is what the Lord declares. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Amen. He's got great plans for you. Somebody said, well, it's been good up till now. Well, glory to God, fasten your seatbelt. It's about to get gooder. The older you get, the better you ought to get. Amen? We don't want to get old and die on the vine. Glory to God. We want to be fat and flourishing. Hallelujah. Increasing in the courts of our God. The psalmist said it this way. Oh, how great is your goodness. How great is your goodness which you have laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. How great is your goodness that you have stored up for those who fear you. Amen. There is a correlation between receiving his goodness and fearing the Lord. There is a correlation between receiving all the good that your father has for you and seeking God. Now, I don't know that we'll be able to get to all of it this morning, but I want to paint a picture for you how that you can be a receiver of everything that God's got for you. But it is related to the worshipful fear of the Lord. Say it with me, God, my God has got a storehouse of goodness of glory and favor stored up for me. So he who is all good, he who is the creator of all good, has a vast, abundant supply for you. And the good news is this, angels don't have to run an inventory on it every day. There's no limit in his giving, except our capacity to receive it. I've read this many times in this church, but Bosworth says it this way. He said, benevolence or goodness is that great attribute of God. Therefore, if you want to please him, remove all the obstacles out of the way of the exercise of his benevolence or the exercise of his goodness. Plain and simple, God is looking for a receiver. God is looking for people just like you and just like me that will believe his word and that will receive his word. It's just like that tight end or that end goes out for a pass 
and the quarterback goes back and he launches about a 50-yard pass and that receiver's running and he's looking over his shoulder and he's got his arms open wide to receive. And that is a picture of you and I, our quarterback, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is throwing his blessings upon his people. And what he wants you to do is have open arms, wide open, an open heart to receive everything he's got for you. Say with me, look no further, Lord. I am a believer and I am a receiver. Now let's go over to the book of Psalms. Let's look at uh, verses 1 through 7. Psalms 1 through 7. And we'll notice some verses there and then we'll go on to, to verse 8. Psalms 34. Psalms 34. says, I will bless the Lord when I feel like it. Now, when are you going to bless the Lord? At all times, in good times, in trying times, on a sunny day, on a cloudy day. Thank God we don't have many snowy days here. But he said, I will. See, you've got to get your will involved in blessing him. We must get our will involved in rejoicing in his goodness. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my heart. Well, pastor, I've got a praise in my heart, but I haven't released it out of my mouth. The Bible says, His praise shall continually be where? In my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. i got a question for you today. Is it okay to brag on Jesus? We're going to brag on Him in this place. We're going to do some serious boasting. Not boasting in ourselves, but boasting in the Lord. Testifying to what God's done. Hallelujah. Look what the Lord's done. Amen. We're going to boast in Him. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name. What? Together. There is great value in exalting his name together. Amen. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from how many of my fears? He delivered me from every one of my fears. Amen. They looked unto him and were lightened and saved him out of his all of his troubles. Well, it, well, they looked unto him, verse 5, and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. Read verse 7 with me. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that do what? Fear him and delivers them. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is everyone. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is not talking about description. This is talking about experiencing. 
The other night, we went to a really nice restaurant to celebrate Olivia's birthday. And Brenda got this shrimp. And I'm telling you, it was the biggest prawns I'd ever seen in my life. They're about this long. They had heads on them. They cut the heads off, thank God. But, oh man, there was all sorts of nice butter and garlic and everything. And Brenda was, it looked, it literally looked like about a five pound lobster tail. All together. I'm thinking, woo, Nelly, this is good stuff. Brenda's tasting it and said, oh, mm, man, this is so good. And about after the third, oh, man, oh, wow, mm, I said, well, let me taste some of that. <laughs> I was glad for her experience, but I wanted to get some of that shrimp in my belly. Amen. And it's good to know that God's done some great, wonderful things for others. But you know, you can taste and see that the Lord is good for yourself. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. You know, in Psalms it says, He serves me a six-core dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head and my brimming and my cup brims over with blessing. Amen. So verse 8 again says... Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Again, oh, fear the Lord. We're seeing this theme of fearing the Lord over and over again. You'll be able to track this through in the next couple of weeks. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For there is no want to them that what? That fear, not that are afraid of him, but those that reverence him, those that honor him, those that have a respect for him and his word and his ways. You see, everybody wants the no want in their life, but not everyone fears the Lord. And I want you to know this, notice this verse again. He said, oh, fear the Lord, you his, what? Saints. Talking to us. For there is no want to them that fear him. Amen. Verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that what? So here's this, this theme again. Fearing the Lord and seeking the Lord. They that... Seek the Lord shall not lack any what? Any good thing. What if we don't seek the Lord? What if we don't fear the Lord? What if we just kind of sail along in life and live life in our own power, in our own strength, doing what we want whenever we want? Will we qualify for every good thing? No, we won't. But those that seek the Lord, those that fear the Lord, whoo, there shall not be any want. There be shall no there shall be no lack in the lives that do such things. Here's the bottom line. When you seek a good God, you get good things. When you fear a good God, you get good things. You shall not want. Doesn't that line up with Psalms 23? 
Say that first verse with me. Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There is no lack. For the Lord is my good shepherd. Amen. So again, fearing the Lord and seeking the Lord. They go together. And it's related to receiving of his goodness. Look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Oh man, I tell you what, there are 10 benefits that I see in the word of God that could probably preach for a year or two. There are 10 benefits that we're going to look at over the course of this series of fearing the Lord. It's well worth your time and your investment to be here. Amen. Next week, I'm going to give you a little handout of what those benefits are. And you're going to be able to rejoice in the goodness of God. But now notice Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 6th verse. It says, but without what? But without faith, it is what? Impossible to do what? So what pleases God? You trusting Him, you having faith in Him, and you taking Him at His word pleases Him. It pleases Him. We should trust His word more than we trust the word of our wives. More than we trust the word of our husbands, if you're a wife. Trusting, having confidence in. So, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So we can reverse that. With faith, it's possible to please Him. You know, a good confession that I say on a regular basis is this. I always do those things that please my Father. Say that with me. I always do those things that please my Father. So without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God, there's two things, must. No question about. We must believe that he is. Amen? Number one, how many of you believe he is? How many of you have asked Jesus into your heart? So you got the first base covered. But the second base, most of Christianity doesn't believe this must believe that he is and the second thing that he is a rewarder when you are rewarded by him that's him being good to you whatever that reward might be that is your good good father being good to you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of what? Those that diligently do what? Seek him. Seek him. So in seeking him and being diligent about seeking him, not just when we feel like it, but as a way of life, positions us to be rewarded by Him. 
Oh, I like that, don't you? I like what Ezra says in 8.22, and I don't know that we have that here uh, on the uh, screen, but Ezra 8.22 says it this way, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek Him. I'd like to pull that up. Ezra chapter 8.22. Notice the last part of the verse. King, New King James says, The hand of our God is upon all those for good. Ooh, hallelujah. Keith Hershey did a message years ago called, The hand of the Lord is upon me. The hand of the Lord is upon me. The hand of the Lord is upon me for good. Amen. So if we want the hand of the Lord to be upon us and to be rewarded, we must be seekers of him. Remember in Matthew 6, Jesus said it this way, but seek ye, what? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be what? They're not going to be taken from you. They're going to be added to you as you seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Say it with me. I believe it. Well, somebody said, now, Pastor Mark, I wish that could happen for me. You need to stop wishing and start believing and start expecting Years ago, a man of God by the name of Oral Roberts. Anybody ever heard of Oral Roberts? I mean, he was taken to task for this statement. Oral said, something good. Something good is about to happen to you. Something good is going to happen to me today. Something good is going to happen to me tomorrow. I may just get a hole in one tomorrow, Brian. I may get an eagle and a birdie and a hole in one in the same day. Wouldn't that be nice, Vicky? Praise the Lord. Something good is going to happen to me today. We started this year. See, now get beyond your mind in this and get this down in your heart. This is not just some sort of a cliche that you say to get God to move. This is an understanding and an illumination and an enlightenment in your spirit. When you get a revelation of how good God he is, how good your God is, you can expect his goodness to show up every day of your life. Now remember we started the year out And I believe the Lord gave me a word for the congregation to say over and over again. And that is this. Great and glorious things are coming my way. Amen. Try that one on for size. Say it with me real strong. Great and glorious things are coming. They're coming my way. Glory to God. Why can we expect good things to happen in our life? Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, the first chapter. Glory to God. You can expect good things because God has given you and I 
exceeding great and precious promises. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these great and precious promises you may be a partaker of His divine nature. You see, God's promises are His pipeline that allows His nature to flow to us. In other words, whatever you need, God's nature holds the answer. His nature is health. His nature is peace. His nature is abundance. And notice, these promises are exceedingly great and precious. You know, there's just a couple things in the Word of God that God deems as precious. One is the precious blood of Jesus. Another one is the precious fruit of the earth. Jesus shed his precious blood for precious people like you and like me. Amen? But then also the exceeding great and precious promises. Evidently, God puts the promises in the same category as he does his blood. When you've got his blood and his promises working for you and working in you, brother, you've got something precious happening in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Why can we expect good things? Because, quite frankly, God has got a great track record of doing some awesome things. Others before us have inherited the promises. You think about David. You think about the Apostle Paul. You think about Moses. You and I have been surrounded with people that have experienced the fulfillment of the promises of God. And you know what that does for me? That brings hope into my life. You don't have to go very far, even in this church, even in this room this morning. You don't have to go very far to find the testimonies of people sharing what God's done in their lives. I mean, if we took an hour or two, we could never be finished of all the good things and the testimonies that people have right now here in this room. We can expect His goodness in our lives because of the exceeding great and precious promises. We can expect His goodness in our lives because He has a track record of doing great and glorious things. And also, we can expect great things and good things because He's a good God. And He is a great God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, He's called the great and awesome God. In Genesis 15, he's our exceeding great reward. In Psalms 47, he's called the great king. In Hebrews 4, he is the great high priest. In Hebrews 13, he is the great shepherd. In Psalms 145, he has great mercy. In Nehemiah 1, he has great power. In the book of Psalms, the 18th, he gives great deliverance. Hallelujah. In Psalm 76, he has a great name. In Psalms 19, he has great rewards. In Psalms 145, he lays up great goodness. 
In Psalms 92, He does great works. In Psalms 86, He performs, oh, hallelujah, great wonders. He's got great peace. He's got great glory. He's got great power. He's great in counsel. In Psalms 139, the sum of his thoughts toward us are great. In Lamentations chapter 3, he says, Great is thy faithfulness. In Daniel chapter 4, he performs great things. In Joel 2, he's got great armies. In Matthew 4, he gives great light. In Zechariah 8, he has great zeal. In the book of Jonah, he prepares great fish, great winds, and gives great hopes. In Joel chapter 3, his coming day is called great. In Mark chapter 4, he brings a great calm to the stormy seas of our life. In Acts chapter 8, he brings great joy. In Acts chapter 4, he gives great grace. And I love this. In Corinthians, he opens great and effectual doors. In Ephesians 2, He loves us with a great love. In Hebrews 2, He has wrought for us a great salvation. In 2 Peter 1, He has exceeding great and precious promises. In Revelation, He gives great authority. Hallelujah. And in Revelations 21, He has prepared for us a great city. Hallelujah. We can expect a great God to do great things. In our lives, if we'll fear Him, if we'll trust Him. But the difficulty lies many times in that people have ceased to be expectant because of the labels and boundaries that others have placed on them. When you think about Jabez, you know, Jabez was born in pain. And his mother literally called him great distress and great pain. But Jabez one day rose up with a Caleb spirit and said, God, I ask you that you would bless me indeed. That you would enlarge my territory. God, I ask you that I may not cause any pain to anyone. See, he was labeled from his birth to his mother. He basically said, God, lift me out of this label that others have put on me. My expectation is from you. And the Bible says that God granted Jabez his request. Don't let other people label you what God has not labeled you. Don't let other people name you what God has not named you. Don't you dare call yourself a victim, but rather call yourself a victor. Don't call yourself a uh, the person that's been conquered, but a person that is more than a conquered. Come on, somebody. Don't call your de- yourself depressed. Call yourself filled with the joy of the Lord. You see, sometimes some of us had authority figures in our lives. I can't even begin to describe to you what the nuns said about me. Somebody said, Do you need counseling? No, I'm delivered. But some authority figures have called us stupid. You're not very bright. You'll never amount to much. You know, Einstein's teachers, one of them said, he described Einstein as being mentally slow. 
Beethoven's music teacher once said, as a composer, he is hopeless. A newspaper editor fired Walt Disney because he lacked imagination. And he had no good ideas. Every one of those people were labeled. And every one of them said, no, I'm not staying in that box. I'm not staying where you put me. I'm coming out and I'm coming up. I'm expecting God to do some great things in my life. There was a janitor on the graveyard shift. And his employer gave everyone, and I don't know if this is legal today, but this was years ago. Everyone in the whole corporation, he gave them an IQ test. This night shift janitor scored the highest genius level. The president called him in and said, you have the highest IQ of anybody in the corporation. Why are you working in this position? The man said, well, the high school counselor told me that I wasn't very bright and that I ought to consider becoming a janitor. And the president of the corporation said, no, you're coming out of that box and I'm going to give you another job. The president gave him a leadership role with some people under him and that night shift janitor flourished. Eventually, he invented some products and then started his own corporation. He became very, very successful. You know, this morning when I was getting ready for church, I just had this sense, we need to rip some labels off. We need to rip some labels off. Some things that other people have been calling us, maybe some things that we've even said about ourselves. We need to get rid of those. See, in Revelations, the scripture says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Literally, he accuses us before the throne of God night and day. The Greek word, listen to this, for accuser is kategoros. Kategoros. We get our English word categorized from that. Satan is the great categorizer. He wants to slap a label on you, put you in a box... And stay, say, stay here. He's quite happy to contain you. If he can't give you to give up, he'll just contain your life and put a label on you. He will say, you're not going any further. You can't expect to achieve more. But I hear the word of the Lord saying that our heavenly father is here in this place today. And he's got a great promise for every one of us. He's saying to us today that we all have incredible potential. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And that we can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengthens us. I sense the Spirit of the Lord saying to you today, you have the mind of Christ. You are the temple of the living God. He walks in you and dwells in you. You've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son and that the hand of the Lord is upon you and that you are gifted.
And you are anointed. And you are precious in the sight of God. And so this morning, we're learning about how to receive from the goodness of God. And one way that we do that is we fear Him, we seek Him, but then we take those labels that have been slapped on us and we pull them down and we cast them down in the name of Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet right now. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. Just lift up your hands with me this morning and say this to me, Heavenly Father. I receive the word of the Lord today. And I make the choice to rejoice. I make the choice to rejoice in your goodness. I purpose in my heart to walk in the worshipful fear of the Lord and to be a person who seeks you with all of my heart. I take authority now over any names, over any labels that people or even myself have put on myself. And in the name of Jesus, I tear them off. I rip them off. I put them under my feet. I cast down every label, every imagination, everything not in conformity with the word of the Lord. And I believe and say that I am his workmanship. I am God's poem. I'm walking in the paths that God has designed for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's raise our hands and thank you. Glory to God. Thank you, Master. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now begin to school yourself into faith. Saying daily and saying regularly what God has said about you. God's word tells you that you're a new creation. God's word tells you that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God's word tells you that you've been redeemed. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Where man would say there's no way, God says to you today, I'm good and Jesus is your way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Every head bowed and every eye closed.